Hey guys, welcome to Classic Sundays. I'm here with Lena um, today, and we watched The Lady from Shanghai, and it's about a seaman that becomes involved in a complex murder plot when he is hired to work on a yacht. He soon finds himself implicated in murder despite his innocence. The film is best remembered for its climax Hall of Mirrors scene with a shootout amidst shards of shattered glass. So let's just hop right in. All right, so it was my movie, um, but since Chantel and Keisha aren't here, I'm thinking just to get their um, reviews out of the way. What do you think? Then we can sure, bounce sure. off of them. We can bounce off of them. So I'll give Keisha's review here first. All right. She said that noir style isn't her favorite, and the script got a little bit wordy at times. But she enjoyed the twists and turns of the murder plot. She felt the movie could have been smoother and easier to follow, which would result in a higher rating for her. So it'll be interesting what her rating is. Um, the final climatic scene with the mirrors was great. All right. I kind of agree with her with the um, the script being a little wordy. At least for me in the beginning, I felt like it kind of dragged. I was like, okay, cool. Like, move along. Like we don't need this much talking and even like throughout the whole entire movie i felt like there was a i guess maybe it was back then because it was like 1948 when this movie was made so they didn't have like the animation and all that stuff like that we have that we can you know bounce off of but um like for me i I agree with her it was slightly wordy at least to me as well yeah i agree with you i think when i was watching it it felt like they were trying to make the script a little punchier than it ended up being Mm -hmm. the other thing that too that i wasn't the biggest fan of was like the really dramatic close-ups as people were speaking you know Mm -hmm. to try to over dramatize it even further no i just it felt like over the top to me like they were trying slightly too hard but the actress who played elsa rita hayworth just gorgeous oh my god yes I don't, I don't, I didn't think she was blonde ever. No, that was like the first time I ever seen her blonde. Yeah, I always saw her as like, I think it's like a dark auburn almost. And just gorgeous. I mean, and I loved, I loved how they did the lighting where the men were always in like a little more shadowy and she was always in like the spotlight that reminded lighting. me of um what was it called what was that film that Keisha chose um it was a black and white film oh, my oh God. yeah it was the Citizen one Kane with... was it Citizen Kane yeah it was because remember his wife was like yes she was in, like, always the spotlight in... and she was like glowing and everyone yeah. always, around her was always like dark and he was always dark and I felt like in this time frame because I think Orson Welles also directed citizen kane and i think that's um why it's so similar in like film style is because he directed both of them yeah that would make sense yep because so... i remember you and i talking about how we loved how the wife mm-hmm. not the mistress but the wife was always in that lighting yep because she that really stood out with yep. that no no no. i guess that's like his thing like the the the, the beautiful like angel-esque person is always like in this um white glow because even like when they were in the carriage in the beginning of the movie 
Mm-hmm. Um, she was like in this like white light, and he was like in a like the shade, and they were literally right next to each other. So for mm-hmm. me, I actually thought that they filmed that separately and then somehow cut it together because I was like, this looks really off. I don't know. I think it almost felt in that first scene. It almost felt like they were trying to show how beautiful she was, but maybe portray like an aura of innocence for her. Mm-hmm. Versus he's the big, rough, tough guy. Yeah. It's kind of how it felt to me in that first scene. Um, I love how she doesn't even twitch when he tells her he murdered someone. Mm-hmm. And it makes me wonder, did he actually murder someone? Because later on, he's a lot more squeamish about killing someone than you would think someone would be for if they had killed someone. No. I don't know. I don't know how that whole thing works mentally when you kill someone, so... Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, Let's bounce off, because you're talking about how pretty she is, so let me just go on with um Chantel's. She's like, she's gorgeous. I love how she was so casual when he said he murdered someone, which is literally exactly what you just said. <laughs> um, She's like, dang, deep with the suicide and depression. They're trying so hard to frame this dude. She turned on him. Dang, she murdered him. I feel like I saw that coming... It was too sus. Um, I gotta agree. I'm gonna like break into there because I do have a thought on that. I agree with that actually because when they started trying to do like this overly complex murder plot of he's trying to kill himself, he's trying to kill someone else and all this other stuff and my first thought was it's neither of the two men, it's her. See, I complicated to be the man. I thought she was going to be the one that was murdered. But I did say, like, here, let me go into mine. Um, One second. Let me forget. I was like, he's going to be blamed for murder. And then um, I was like, boy, run before you get caught in a murder. Damn, he just slapped her. And, like, I already knew. Like, I was like, this guy's going to get framed. Like, why is he, like, what's going on here? Like, why is he even agreeing to this? Because then, like, what is it? Um, Who was it? It, it wasn't Grisby. Oh, it was the other guy that like George. Got, yeah, he got he was like, here, here's five thousand dollars. Write like a confession and then I'll disappear and you take the fall for my murder. Like what? Like I was so confused on that, at least. Oh, but know. you can't be actually convicted of murder because there's no body. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't know. The whole thing, that whole plot, I, I don't sense. know how much how accurate that was in today's time or even back when the movie was filmed but it just I feel like the main character was not as intelligent as they could have portrayed I think they it seemed like they were trying to portray him as being the macho dangerous bad boy type Mm -hmm. and it just came off as naive yeah because like even in the beginning of the movie, like when he goes to the shipyard, um, and he's like looking for him. What's his name? Uh, the Bannister, Mister Bannister, to go like mm-hmm. get um, Michael. He was everyone else like looks kind of like slummy. They're all like reading um like papers, and then he's like in a suit and tie, and he's like typing away like on his manuscript. Like they're trying to make him look smart, and they even say like, "Oh, the one that talks smart." they're they're trying to play off that he's like an intelligent worldly person but yet like throughout the movie they've been saying like how he doesn't know anything about life um he doesn't he's not as smart as he thinks he is and it just kind of shows by the end of the movie that like 
he truly did not know what what was going on and he was naive and like to fall for you know even to agree to like fall for a murder charge and like then when he finally realizes that she's the one that's like the mastermind between behind killing um the butler guy and the um uh grisby like george like it just it kind of like i was like you how did you not notice this like she was from the very beginning luring you in like she hunted you down to like come and work for her and then throughout the whole entire movie everyone was mentioning murder he's like oh you murdered someone oh like you know what if what if you murdered again like how much would like it's just kind of like are you stupid like you should have just left and said like he got bullied to stay because like when he ever mentioned like him wanting to leave everyone just kind of got angry and freaked out at him for wanting to leave and i was like what the hell like is this gonna be like a horror movie or something like they're gonna snap and like kill him for me at least was weird i don't i felt like i know it was the way that they did the movie it was supposed to be as if she and he had like this romance going on because they had a couple kissing scenes but it just the romance also felt a little pushed for me i didn't get where the romance came from like I get it. She's beautiful. You have a thing for her. But there was almost no interaction between the two of them. Mm -hmm. So it's like, I don't even know where the romance would have blossomed from when they barely spoke three sentences beyond, you know, for the first half of the movie. Yeah, it was very forced. Like, it was just like love at first sight type of thing. Like, even in the beginning of the movie, if you remember, like, he had like the stalkerish vibe of like, he saw her once and that was it for him and it was just kind of weird i don't know yeah i agree with you just a little bit yeah a little bit then let me just quickly go through what is what else did chantel say um she said the hall of mirrors is pretty cool um his last words were interesting maybe i would live so long i'd forget her or maybe i'll die trying um and then she said this movie gives me slight vertigo vibes with his complex relationship with elsa um, maybe it's just the time periods that are um, the same because 47 was Shanghai and 58 was Vertigo. So I don't know if you watch Vertigo, but it does have that like that same vibe of like the girl kind of like luring him in and tricking him into loving her and then, you know, going around and basically like backstabbing him. Um, I so. didn't watch Vertigo, but. I like the line that she pointed out mm-hmm. and it just feels like I feel like every woman though deep down inside wants to be that kind of woman where the man will never forget her. Yeah. No, she what? wants to be like that what is it called? Um oh, I forgot the name for it. Like a femme fatale type of stuff, you know, where yeah. it's, it's like wow that type of woman is amazing and like the I think kind. that's how Orson Welles wanted her to be I just feel like how if we like go back to what Keisha said I feel like if the writing was just slightly different this movie could have been a lot better for me at least yeah I was a little disappointed I, I actually agree on that I think if the writing was just slightly more cleaned up it would definitely have been better but i mean we said that about citizen kane too yeah i guess it's just orson welles for us then cause... it could be just orson welles because <laughs> both his movies were like they i feel like they had potential it's just 
at some point, like I got confused and I got lost and I got bored. They and then it was the end. Slightly off the mark. Yeah. But I will add one thing. Um, Alita actually was watching the last parts with me and mm. she was fascinated <laughs> with the mirrors and stuff, the black and white and the mirror scene, particularly she was just staring at it. <laughs> so my little girl apparently watches old movies. <laughs> no, she's, Hey, she's a, she likes her classics. You know, she's perfect for the podcast, you know, a little she mascot. Likes it. She likes her classics. Say so she also listens to classic rock and roll. So she's got she, we're, we're her getting, young. We're catching her young, so she has good taste later on. No. But I mean overall any... Uh-huh. I don't know. I was just gonna say overall the, the movie wasn't bad. I feel like how we said like about um Citizen Kane, if it was done now maybe it'd be like a good movie but i feel like citizen kane for sure if it's done now would be an amazing movie but just mm-hmm. this movie for me like i guess because like we've we watch mur- mysteries and murder mysteries a lot so like and we watch like read books and everything so for us it's not something new it's not something groundbreaking so it was very easy to know what was kind of going to happen like i already like from the beginning i knew that he was gonna get framed yeah i might have not thought of her first because I thought she was gonna be the one that's murdered and then they frame him but like otherwise like I knew he was gonna get framed I knew something was gonna happen in those lines so like it wasn't anything new to me but maybe during like that time it I could see it being like groundbreaking be like oh my gosh this is amazing I could I didn't see that like it was completely like M. Night Shyamalan type of like twist you know but Mm -hmm. it's like for me it was like a eh, movie like I don't know Yep, no, I agree with you. If I feel like I would love to see this movie redone, maybe even mm-hmm. with a slightly cleaned up um, script. Yeah. And slightly better cinematography. Like, I feel like the cinematography was close, very close, but they just try to push it a little too much and they missed the mark. Especially with like the, the Hall of Mirrors. Like, I could see that being a really good scene. But for me, I felt like it was almost, like, comedic. Like, it wasn't something that I was like, oh, this is an amazing, like, how they shot it was great. I felt like it was kind of, like, I don't know, it looked cheap to me. But I guess, like, again, it's a different time frame. Like, the money, the budgets, like, it's not, like, how we have it now. So I have to take that in mind. But at least for me, like, I didn't like it. I didn't think it was this amazing shot. I felt like it was sloppy it was confusing it didn't it didn't fit well into the whole movie and i don't know because i know that the end of scene with the um the mirrors and the fun house was like the biggest thing for this movie and i personally thought that that was the worst part of the movie see i liked the scene with the mirrors i feel like i've seen other movies that have done something similar mm-hmm. probably based off of this movie um so i thought the scene was really innovative actually for that for the time period which would explain why it's the most famous scene um and what i liked was when who was i think it was the husband shot at her banister banister shot at elsa um i liked the way it was he shot at her reflection but she was standing behind the reflection Mm-hmm. And I thought that was kind of an interesting play 
in the filming. Um, but I, de- I definitely agree that it got a little confusing as to who was shooting how. Um, but while we're talking about it, it reminds me, I thought that the story with the sharks was interesting forecast foreshadowing. Like it was very obvious foreshadowing. Three sharks that end up eating each other or themselves. Yeah. Um, but I thought that was very interesting foreshadowing that kind of set up the rest of the movie where after you started talking about the, sh- the sharks that killed each other, you knew that these three characters, that the Bannister's partner, Bannister and her, were something was going to happen where the three of them, not none of them were making it to the end of the movie alive. You kind of knew. I, yeah. At least that was the vibe I got. No, I, I feel that like, I don't know, I guess because for me it was hectic that I just I, I personally thought I was going to like this movie because I also wanted to do something that was like a little bit more mystery, murdery, like because it's definitely different from what I usually pick. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, it just fell flat for me. So that's why I'm just like, eh. like, <laughs> I mean, for me, like if we wanted to go straight into like, um, like our like the review for me like I would give this like a four or five like I think like for me personally I'd give it a four just Mm -hmm. because it just didn't do it for me um Rita Hayworth was amazing like gorgeous Mm -hmm. her outfits in this movie were like superb like I I love her in this movie like beautiful but otherwise that's and then it made me want to travel too but that's the only thing from this movie that I liked was her her outfits and me wanting to go explore the world see keisha gave a much higher review than that she gave it a six um she gave it six um i personally give it a four Mm -hmm. just because the mirror scene was really neat but it didn't quite it didn't quite hit the mark rita hayworth gorgeous great acting couldn't save it <laughs> yeah no it was like the sharks no i even said like the the acting in this movie also in my like review like when i was writing was was not that great either i was just like eh you know like and they i think tried really really hard yeah. but i feel like they tried slightly too hard yeah um Chantel actually gave this movie a five so we're all kind of like in that same kind of like middle ground of like you know, four, five, and six. Like, we're not, like, giving it super high, but we're not giving it a super low score. So I feel like we kind of all kind of are in the same bubble. Of yeah. That. Yeah. So you um, want to do the, some fun facts about the movie? Yeah. All right. So Chantel sent us six fun facts. So I'm going to do three, and Lena's going to do three. Um, do you want to go first? Sure. All right. Uh, fun fact number one, according to Orson Welles, this film grew out of an act of pure desperation. Welles, whose Mercury Theatre Company produced a musical version of Around the World in 80 Days, was in desperate need of money just before the Boston preview. Mere hours before the show was due to open, the costumes had been impounded. And unless Welles came up with $55,000, seems like a lot, to yeah. pay outstanding debts, the performance would have to be canceled. Stumbling upon a copy, If I Die Before I Wake, the novel upon which this film is based, Wells phoned Harry Cohn, instructed him to buy the rights to the novel, and offered to write, direct, and star in the film, so long as Cohn would send $55,000 to Boston within two hours. The money arrived, and the production went on as planned. Hmm. I feel like 
That's a lot like of money. Orson, it, I feel like that was a lot of money. And I feel like Orson Welles was he cons- he was considered a great director, wasn't he? Yeah, so wouldn't he have money? I don't know. Unless he's just horrible at his finances. So I mean, you know, good inspiration. But damn, Try like, too hard. I, I don't know. Because that's like in the millions in our time money. Uh-huh. Like with inflation and everything. Like what kind of costumes did this production have? Like, But I mean, around the world in 80 days in is pretty like out there. So I feel like maybe they had like outlandish costumes. I don't know. But like that's know. a lot of money for just I, clothes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. Anyway, moving on to fun fact number two. In the aquarium scene, the tanks were shot separately, enlarged, and matted on in to make the sea creatures appear more monstrous and looming closer to the actors. Yeah. I can I see that. I did wonder how they got that. It looked so. really weird. I did not like it. <laughs> like, it was... It I was felt like a... it was an insult to yeah. the beautiful sea creatures of the ocean. Yeah. I was like, they just could have, like, not put that in and that would have been better but no it's um, Arson Wells not our favorite director <laughs> no no he just he tries yeah <laughs> anyway some scenes in this movie were filmed close to a crocodile infested river lovely yeah the rock from which Elsa dives into the ocean had to be scraped to remove poisonous barnacles oh and a Mexican swimming champion armed with a spear, had to swim off camera near Rita Hayworth to ward off deadly barracuda in the <laughs> waters. They couldn't pick another place for her to dive into. This is no. literally what I was it's just The thinking. only place available. Uh, again, Orson Welles. Okay. I, I want to know, like, what was so special about this particular rock that they had to risk her life for it? Do it for the scene, man. Okay. All right. So the drama. Number four. Um, the cast was frequently frustrated and confused by arriving on the set to find Orson Welles rewriting the script from day to day. His method of working with his actors was often harsh and manipulative. Sometimes he deliberately rattled them to get nerves edgy and edgy performances. Um, other times he would cause them to forget their lines so they could improvise new ones. One such line that survives on screen was made up on the spot by the flustered Erskine Sanford. I totally said his wrong, name wrong. Um, as the judge, this isn't a football game. I can see that because even when we were talking about Citizen Kane, um, he was like very um, harsh and manipulative and like abusive with his uh, like co-stars and the actress that played his, um, I think his second wife, the... Mm-hmm mistress like he literally like sent her to like the hospital because she like lost her mind so he's just a not a great person i can totally see that and i think the fact that he did not have a clear script that was stuck to showed in the movie because that explains so much of why the script seems so erratic Mm -hmm. and almost half done like they were trying too hard it hadn't been cleaned up kind of thing that explains a lot. Which, to me, confuses me as to why he's such a great director. Because at least the two movies that we've watched of his directing have yet to hit anything major for me. Like, he is probably one of my... If I'm not, like, doing it for the fun fact of, like, 
oh, it's Gremlins. I don't like it. But like, he's one of my worst rated um, movies. Both his movies have been my worst rated ones. I'm not even in- including Gremlins because it's just like a satire movie. <laughs> but like his movies are my worst rated. I think his other one was like a three. And yeah, this one's a four. It was pretty low. Yeah. So I don't know. Um, number five, when Glenn Anders arrived on set for his first day, Orson Welles immediately ordered him to lie down on a stretcher under a sheet and play dead. The actor did as instructed, and while he lay there, he said a studio rep handed him a pen and a contract to sign. At that point, Anderson claimed he still knew nothing about the film or the part he was playing. Over the course of the shooting, um, Anders became so upset about Wells bullying the crew he dubbed him Glenn Anguish. Hmm. So again, an asshole. <laughs> um, a jerk. Moving yeah. on. Um, and the last fun fact is Columbia Pictures boss Harry Cohn told Orson Welles he would never again hire one man to produce, direct, and act because he could never fire him. I wonder why he couldn't fire him. I don't know. I guess he was the producer, the director, and the actor. So, I mean... How yeah, are you for this movie? But yeah. I still want to know, like, a what made Henry Cohn, Harry Cohn, excuse me, feel like that was going to be a good idea to begin with? Yeah. But also, why why was Orson Welles so unfireable? I have no idea. Like, I don't. For I don't me personally, it. like from what we've heard of him through fun facts, he was never. He's not a good person. I don't know, like, no. why. He got, I don't know. It's interesting. I guess Hollywood. Even for, I was going to say, though, even for the time period of the studios and, you know, the silver screen and the difficult conditions a lot of the actors ended up in and the writers and directors ended up being because of the studio system. Even then, you know, it people still got fired. Yeah, people moved on without him. It makes me wonder what it was about Orson Welles, why he was considered unfireable. No, maybe some when maybe one of our listeners knows. Yeah. I'd love to know. Feel free to answer on our um, Instagram page, uh, Classic Sunday Podcast. Um, so if you want to go um, do that, follow us there as well. Uh, do a little shout out. But yeah, so you want to jump into is it classic or not? Um, I actually don't have the definition that Chantel uses. So I guess um, a classic for us is defined by, I guess, the script, the acting, the time, and like if it feels like it affected pop culture in any way, and if we would ever watch it again. So for me, at least, not a classic. Um, it's cool to watch it once, but... I, I don't like this movie. Um, and Orson Welles is not a good director, so and none of his movies to me will ever be a classic. So that's you just me. don't like him because he was a jerk. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> um, and then Chantel also is not a classic as well. And Geisha said classic movie from the golden age, even though I didn't like it as much as I felt it could have had it been tweaked a bit in direction and style. She can still appreciate the film for what it was, and the plot was interesting and entertaining. I'm with you and Chantel. I don't think it was a classic. I think it could have hit the mark had the plot, it had the writing been cleaned up a little bit. Um, maybe don't swim in barracuda infested waters. <laughs> but I or just, in danger, I like, your actors. 
Huh? Or endanger your actors. Right. Um, but I just, that alone, that aside, I feel like the writing could have definitely been cleaned up a little bit. The filmography could have been cleaned up a little bit, a little bit smoother. Um, and it just, it was a little predictable. And I feel, I feel like, again, just like Citizen Kane, it had the potential to be something great. And it slightly missed the mark. So I don't think it's a classic. I've never heard it referenced anywhere in pop culture other than in reference to Orson Welles. And even then, he's not a director I re- ever really hear anything about. Yeah. Maybe I didn't even maybe know why. <laughs> like, to be honest, like, I was just looking through um, Amazon one day and I saw this. And I was like, hey, 1940, like, what are 43, I think this movie is? Like, this would be good. And I read the plot and I was like, why not? So that's why I chose it. But I didn't even realize it was Orson Welles that directed this. And, you know, so that was like a, a surprise when I was reading the um, introduction today when I was like, oh, this is from Orson Welles. Like, oh, wow. So no wonder I didn't like it. Um, but yeah, no. But I think next week is going to be your pick, correct? So yeah, it, my pick was Smokey and the Bandit, nineteen seventy six, I believe. I know I've heard of it, but I've never watched it. Like I, I've heard references of it, so it's going to be so interesting to see what Smokey and the Bandit is. It's nineteen seventy seven, actually. Okay. Um. So this movie is interesting. It's supposed to be kind of like a just a fun movie in general but this is one that christopher keeps practically begging begging me you to watch <laughs> so like i fun. gave in <laughs> to his suggestion and i mean i'm curious from what he's told me of the plot it sounds pretty good so all I'm, right uh, definitely carry i'm interested to see Hopefully it's going to be better than this because I hate Orson Welles. <laughs> well, it's Orson Welles didn't direct it, so we're in luck. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> but all right then. So then I will see you um, next week, I guess. Yeah, next week. Alrighty. All right. Bye. Bye-bye. Hey, guys. Thank you for listening to the episode. I just wanted to remind you guys that we post every Sunday. So I hope to see you guys next weekend. Thank you. Bye.